This is Hammond and Jessica, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Leave us reviews, whatever it is you want. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing okay. It's Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go out. It's cold. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of nice out. Um, Before we get started, I wanted to announce a new podcast that I am uh, that I just put out. Ooh. It's called Cooper Duper. It is a, a journey through Twin Peaks. It's my husband, who is a diehard Twin Peaks fan, and myself, who has also seen the show. Um, we're just doing an episode by episode rewatch and discussing it, and um, it's sort of meant to be both for people who like it and for people who have never really watched the show before. It make it. It's very much like how I liked reading a lot more in college when I would then go to class and kind of discuss what was going on. It helped me, you know, keep on track. So anyway, yeah, it's just fun. It's very casual. Um, we're the preview episode is out right now. Um, and then I just have a little bit of editing to do on the uh, pilot podcast and um, they will be out uh, weekly. We haven't decided on a day, but we're kind of making this up as we go along. So very subscribe cool. to Cooper Duper on iTunes. Very cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> Starting a podcast. Nobody can do that. Nobody. No one's ever done it before. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all good. Good luck. Thank you. Do you, you want to talk about Jim Baker? Yes. You do. I do. Televangelist right. Jim Baker, you do. He apparently, we just found out today, had a stroke. Oh, no. Yeah. And he, they said he's taking a sabbatical from his TV show, which, okay, uh, wishing him best because I don't want him to die. Sure. At this, Oof. mostly for his scary family. time to have a stroke, too. Yeah. Now, here's the flip side of that, because this week, his legal team also, which, by the way, is like being led by the former Democratic governor of Missouri, I don't know why, but there you go. They told That's the weird. judge because he's been under attack for good reason because he keeps selling this silver solution that he claims cures everything from like venereal diseases to HIV. And then one of his coronavirus. Guests said, yeah, one of his guests on the show said it also cures coronavirus within 12 hours. Oh. And that's a lie. Uh-huh. And he had attorneys general from New York and Missouri coming after him. Uh, and so he stopped selling it after they were getting close to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, his legal team filed paperwork that basically said, um, and I want to make sure I'm uh, getting this right. Uh, they basically told Missouri's Attorney General Eric Schmidt that he's being unfairly targeted by people who want to crush his ministry and force his Christian television program off the air. Mm -hmm. And it says he did not claim or state that Silver Solution was a cure for COVID-19. Yeah, did while he nodded. Yeah, he just thought Um, it was a cure for HIV. So, like, what are you all mad about? And the lawyer said, this case is about religious freedom. I guess Jim Baker has the religious freedom to sell bullshit to 
people. Uh, this is what Jay Nixon said. Jay Nixon is the former attorney general of Missouri and the former governor of Missouri. And now showing just how far you could fall. He is Jim Baker's lawyer. Jay Nixon wrote similar silver products are commonly sold health supplements available at Walmart, Amazon, CVS, and GNC targeting a Christian pastor who has been using and offering the product for the past 10 years is not supported by the facts or the law. But just to be clear, that product may be sold elsewhere. No one else is saying on the packaging it cures coronavirus. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Is like there's a lot of garbage that's sold at CVS or whatever. And yeah. like they famously sell homeopathic quote unquote remedies. And right. that's not effective. And I feel like people who care about this thing have been working to like exercise that shit from the shelves for years so yeah no or at least get them to print on the packaging this is bullshit this is not no. real medicine don't buy yeah, it exactly but that is still different and again jay nixon you would think you know, given his uh past as a governor attorney general he knows that yeah he he's know just better. lying because that's what happens when you represent a televangelist mm-hmm. my favorite my favorite part is the lawsuit itself included a declaration from Maricela Woodall, who's the president of Jim Baker's ministry, and basically was saying, like, yes, we did this for good reason, and I'm not Jim Baker, but I support what he did. She wrote, an integral part of this expressive ministry in practice, as well as the doctrinal teachings of our religion mm-hmm. in like basically saying this is part of our faith Mm -hmm. includes educating our partners, their donors concerning and offer them products, including silver solution that we believe have been made available to this generation by God. Oh, wow. That's quite an ending. Yeah. So her, he's selling silver solution and giant glop buckets of food because God told them to. And if you tell him to stop selling it, you're telling him to stop preaching God. Sure. Like that's where she's going with this. Um, So all that happened like two days ago. And today is when we get the declaration that he had this stroke. And all I'm hoping for is, okay, let's assume those are not related to each other. Uh I hope no one gives him sympathy from this fraud that he's perpetuating because he had a stroke like that fine wish him well that has nothing to do with this go ahead and keep prosecuting him i'm genuinely afraid they're like because it seems like something jim baker would do which Mm -hmm. is i had a personal old man right lay off me he's 80 by the way like he's he's pulling the i'm old don't come after me card like no he needs to be held accountable the stroke should be separate from that yeah, that's that's the fun thing about white men getting older is either it's an excuse and don't come after me. I'm just a frail old man or I am wizened and I deserve 25 year old girlfriends and money. <laughs> yes. And Jim Baker is going to uh, his wife said on Facebook, don't worry, he already like has a message ready to preach when he comes back. OK, which- I mean, do we know is he? gonna recover do we know anything about what's going on with him yeah this is what Lori baker who is also his co-host on the show this is what she wrote on facebook uh that's relevant to what just happened 
Um, we are thankful that Jim is okay and that he is now at home with our family. Dot dot dot. He's taken a sabbatical from the show. Jim will be back. He is still dreaming and hearing from the Lord, and he already has a powerful word to deliver when he returns to the air. Mm, so, okay, okay. Sure. Okay. Totally normal thing. Well, I uh, hope he gets better, but I also hope that he stops uh, preaching bullshit. So, which will not happen. Like, no. and usually a, a stroke will change people. I can't imagine it changing what he does. Uh, I mean, lying. And there's also the whole like he always says these are signs for for God or from God rather. So like, was this a sign from God of God saying like, hey dude, fucking chill with the bullshit. You're yeah. doing bad. So if it happened to like you down. if it happened to Obama or something, like yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he would be saying. But when it happens to him, nope, total coincidence. Nothing, oh my god. It's funny how health works, huh? And notice that nothing in Lori Baker's Facebook statement said Jim Baker is taking silver solution to help him with I was stroke. wondering that myself. Yeah, somehow it works for everything except that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, this is something that I didn't have the details for until this week, but it's fascinating. So, okay, the government has been giving out those uh, Paycheck Protection Program loans. And if uh, maybe you've seen this in the news, it's basically if you're a small business, the government's going to give you money to tide you over for a couple months mm -hmm. so that you don't go out of business. And the idea is if you apply for a PPP loan, mm -hmm. um, you could theoretically get 2.5 times your average monthly payroll and you don't have to pay it back as long as most of that money, like 75%, goes to pay your employees and not use for rent or utilities and stuff like that. And there's a and caveat right about not letting employees go too as well. Some, I think that's part of it. Yes. And of course the big scandal in the news has been like, why have giant restaurant chains like uh, Ruth, Ruth Chris? Yes. And uh, Shake, Shack. Like Shake Shack. Why are they getting money when they are by no means a mom and pop, small business type of operation? Okay. Here's a different scandal. Among the many businesses that have signed up to get this money are thousands upon thousands of churches. They are, yeah, so there are 17,000 like Catholic churches in the U.S. More than 12,000 applied for the money and they're getting it. And oh. this is from CBS News. They're saying... According to like the Catholic Church officials, around 6,000 Catholic parishes had their applications for funding approved in the first round of PPP, and around 3,000 had received loans so far in the second round. Mm -hmm. So that's 9,000 out of the 12,000 that applied. And in terms of Protestant churches, same deal. This is from Lifeway Research, which is, I believe, affiliated with the Southern Baptist Conference. They said nearly a quarter of Protestant churches have applied for money, and more than half of those have received it, which is, again, a shit ton of churches. I, even Jewish organizations, uh, the Jewish Federations of North America says 573 Jewish organizations got loans for a total value of $276 million. Hmm. Um, so again, here's the rules as the government puts it. They said, we're giving these monies, uh, the money to small businesses. They're eligible for the loan, but also they're eligible for nonprofits. So if you work with a nonprofit, small 
group and you got to help your employees so you don't go out of business, Mm -hmm. you can apply for the loans. That's why churches are eligible to apply. But of course, there is a difference though. And we've said this before when people say tax the church, Mm -hmm. there, the, Nonprofit businesses, it, it is a good thing that nonprofits are not taxed because they provide a service even if you don't like the service. But the difference is that churches, unlike, say, Planned Parenthood, churches do not have to tell the government how much money they're taking in, how they're using it, who their mm-hmm. donors are. They do not have to be transparent. And that's still the case with the PPP money. Mm-hmm. So they're take they could say, hey, we have we have like two million dollars worth of uh salaries we gotta pay out. Give us that money. I don't know that there's any way for them to verify any of that. They could just say this is what we need. There's no way for the government to be like for the churches to be accountable to the government. And that's the issue. That's why they're different from a nonprofit. None of these churches have to say the money is actually going to employees because they never have to say how they're using the money. There's no way they're going to be held accountable for any of this. Yeah. And it makes me wonder what the process is in place to verify you know, who gets loans and who doesn't, because ostensibly you would think that if I'm applying, if I'm a small business applying for a loan, I would have to open my books and be like, this is what my payroll looks like. This is what my rent looks like. These are, right. you know, these are my profit margins. That and is what normal nonprofits have to do. That is what churches do not have to do. Um, yeah, it's not great, Hammett. Andrew Seidel, uh, an attorney with the Freedom From Religion Foundation, wrote an article today uh, in the Cap Times in, in Wisconsin. I'm going to quote a part of it dealing with this because I thought it was important. Because they entirely lack financial transparency and accountability, churches are already rife with fraud and abuse. Mm-hmm. Churches qualify for CARES Act funds, that's the PPP loans, even if they have never registered as a church with the IRS. Receiving really? these taxpayer funds, receiving these funds could be literally both the first and last time the government ever hears of them. And he goes on to say taxpayer funds should only be available to nonprofits that file financial information with the IRS, uh, dot, dot, dot. Otherwise, Congress is handing out taxpayer money with no accountability whatsoever. That is the problem with this. Again, I'm not even saying churches shouldn't be eligible for the money because they do have employees. They do have mouths to feed. And a lot of people are employed by those churches. I don't want them to suffer. So I'm not against them getting the money, but they are playing by different rules. And that's the problem with this. Yeah. I feel like a lot of this always comes down to accountability, like whether or not we, you and I personally think that churches should be tax exempt or whatever is one thing, but I just really all I you know, the the least I want is accountability. And <clears throat> we've seen churches time and time again dodge any kind of accountability, whether it's from taxes or lawsuits or whatever. They play by their own little rules. Um, so until they want a handout from the government, then they're happy to, like, be part of that team. I don't know. It's 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 also I, just to be clear. And this applies to nonprofits, too. But again, playing by different rules, churches pay no taxes, but they are now getting tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayer money Mm -hmm. to further their proselytizing work. Right. And they don't have to 
tell the government what they're going to do with it. There's mm-hmm. no way to verify that it's going where they claim it's going. And again, they should never get the benefit of the doubt here. Right. Um, well, it's funny because people are so up in arms about Planned Parenthood getting um, getting taxpayer money because, oh, we don't know what they're doing. And even though we do, we very much do know exactly what they're doing. Um, and so the fact that most people don't seem to be batting an eye at the fact that like, oh yeah, these, these churches are getting our money. And literally like if the Catholic church is getting money, that means taxpayer money could be going to pay out lawsuits for, for, um, sexual assault allegations or re, I was going to say rehoming. That's not what it is, but moving around priests who, who are, um, guilty of that. Like, we, yeah, we just it could don't be know. going anywhere. It could be going to a casino for all we care. The point is they don't have to verify it. So it's I don't think it's weird to assume they're going to do the worst possible things with it because we've seen them do bad things with money. Right. All I'm saying is be accountable. Let the government know where it's going. And the government, again, I wish I could say the government needs to hold them accountable to it. But when Republicans are the ones in charge of the purse strings, of course, they're going to give away money to churches. Yeah, it's such a mess. Uh, Okay, different story. This is in New Mexico. There is Sierra County, which is a rural part of New Mexico. And there's a sheriff, Glenn Hamilton, who last weekend visited a local church in full sheriff regalia. That in itself is a problem. Like, if you want to go as yourself, that's totally fine. But when you're wearing, you're like, I'm the sheriff of this town, and I'm going there to to basically preach, that's a problem. But anyway... I'm, here, sorry, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure I understand. It, did he go in to preach, or he just went to attend church? Oh, no. He was speaking from the pulpit. Oh. He's given a sermon okay. while wearing his sheriff garb. But here's what he said to the people. Like, out of nowhere, he just kind of says... If there is any churchgoer, I should uh, let me back up for a second. In rural areas like Sierra County, they don't always have enough people to do law enforcement. And so it's not necessarily weird when law enforcement officials say, hey, we need volunteers to help us out Mm -hmm. and we'll give you some level of authority in order to help us out because we need the help. And Mm -hmm. in rural areas, that's not weird. Okay, so he goes to this church, Glenn Hamilton, and here's what he says to the Christians in the audience. If any of you are basic, I'm paraphrasing, if any of you are willing to do it and help us out, um, I will deputize you right now. You are all deputies now, deputy law enforcement officials. What? Just willy-nilly no background checks as far as i can tell or anything oh and by the way one of the i'm quoting now i guess one of the benefits of what we just did here is that under the governor's order like lockdown order law enforcement is exempted from her order oh hey so that lockdown order that says churches can't gather more than like 10 people in one building or something like that Mm -hmm. that does not apply to cops and all of you are now deputies which is something i have the power to do so isn't that interesting and then he goes on to say it's not my intent to like override the governor but Are you he sure, did, sir? Yeah, Are but sure he did say right? from the pulpit, hey, by the way, this is a thing you can now do. Oh, my God. And then he goes on to say, I am not in any way, shape, or form attempting to minimize the impact that that has had on our state. and sure, on, Once like, again, the pandemic. are you sure you're not? 
Wait, here's the kicker. But the reality, folks, is that we're all going to (laughs) die. Man, oh man, the pro-life set really went pro-death, like, fucking... Yeah. Point, huh? We're all gonna die faster because of guys like him. And again, he says later, like the reporters are like, why did you deputize all those people? And he says, well, we have to put down riots and other acts of civil disobedience. So which is the thing that of randos is the group yeah. you want to bring in? Riots don't happen in the middle of nowhere, which is where he lives. We had to Wait, tell me again where he lives. Sierra County, New Mexico, Mexico? which is a very rural part of the state. It's not where the big cities are. So they don't have riots or civil disobedience like you would in a bigger city. Here's the other thing is the only people we're seeing who are either, quote, not rioting, but protesting with their big fucking guns are the people who agree with him like no none of us none of us science-minded believer people are rioting because we're all fucking at home yeah yeah but this guy made them all deputies i should say the freedom from religion foundation has sent a letter uh just saying you can't do any of the stuff you just did uh so send us a response <laughs> saying you won't let that happen which is pretty much all they can do right now unless someone is willing to go further but it's that's what's happening in other parts of the country like that's what it is to be a christian not only do you just get these magical law enforcement powers right. without having to do a thing, you're allowed to spread the virus to whoever you want and they'll just like let you do it. They'll reward you for doing it. Because, again, why did he make them all exempt from the orders? So they can gather in church, which will hurt people. Yeah, I think the thing I have noticed more and more with, with what's going on now is I think there are people who uh, maybe haven't necessarily dealt with systemic hardship before. And so now that they are, they very much want somebody to blame. And so in our state, people are going like fucking batshit going after Pritzker saying that he's overstepping or trying to like, whatever, take us over. But I think just people are having a trouble differentiating between I'm sad or mad because this thing has happened and I'm sad or mad at this thing is happening and it's this person's fault. Because I feel like that's what's going on here is like they're mad at their governor or whomever for saying like you need to stay home. It, the governor didn't do this thing to you. The, govern, the governor yeah, was trying to help you. The governor did not construct this virus to mildly inconvenience a bunch of people in fucking New Mexico. I can't fucking tell you that. And that's just the thing I've noticed a lot is like when people are angry, they, and it's, that's not new, right? Like we're looking for a scapegoat. We're looking for somebody to be angry at. Whereas like, you know, I've dealt with hardship before and it's usually nobody's fault. Usually just shit happens. And so you just have to ride it out. Have you, um, I had this whole theory that I've been talking to Mikey about of, um, the people who are doing relatively okay in this versus the people who are like going fucking batshit. It's kind of, what's that? Who do you think is doing okay? 
in my, this is just in my sort of like experience and like the people I've talked to, it's all anecdotal, but it seems like my friends who, or people who have spent some amount of time being broke or disenfranchised in some way are like I, for probably a collective two years of the 10 years I've been with my husband, one of us was out of work or we were broke. And so we just didn't really leave the house, obviously not for this reason, but just because every time you step out your door, you're spending money. And when you don't have any money to spend, you just stay home. And so Mikey and I have no trouble amusing ourselves. Like it's really not been like, and obviously we don't have kids and shit like that. Like obviously there's circumstances, but it just seems like it's people who have never had any restrictions on anything they've ever done are not dealing with this. Well, because they, they don't know, they don't have the self-discipline to just not go to a place. Anyway, that's my theory. I'll be writing, uh, writing a thesis (laughs) on it soon. It is. I mean, I've, watch Christians blame everything on Christian persecution. Mm-hmm. But this idea that the restrictions, travel restrictions people are taking because of the virus is a form of Christian persecution. That's is a just, wild stretch. Yeah. That is a so wild stretch. Overly silly. Yeah. Um, and plus the governors doing it are Christian themselves usually. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are just looking for somebody to blame. We've scapegoated people as long as we've been a society and this is a hard thing to scapegoat right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get why any governor would want to shut down any well, of this stuff the if thing. they had a choice. Like you know, I, as if they have a choice. I keep seeing this th- that kind of thing of like, oh, the governor or the mayor or the president or whomever is shutting everything down so they can take control and they can steal your civil liberties and they can do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, the economy is in the shitter. People are unemployed. Like nothing is happening. Like if they wanted to somehow take over, quote unquote, the economy, wouldn't they not maybe like not tank it first and like because if anybody's trying to quote unquote take over like the state of Illinois or the country or whatever, okay, well, congratulations. You now have a zillion people on unemployment. You have a bunch of people in debt. You have like companies closing down, like have fun, I guess. This sounds like a really cool society you're trying to take over when nobody's working and nobody has money and nobody can go outside. Anyway. Yeah. I don't get the persecution claim at all, but okay. So since we're talking about Illinois, let's talk about what's going on here. There is a pastor named Stephen Castle of the beloved church. It's in the city of Lena, which is far away from most of humanity. Yep. L-E-N-A far away from humanity in Illinois, but like very rural part of the state, but they have church and they draw usually like 80 people a week. So after Pritzker in Illinois issues a stay-at-home order, um, he then amended it more recently, saying people can leave for essential activities, like Mm -hmm. grocery shopping if you need to. Churches were not on that list. And then people went ballistic, and so he said, fine, churches can meet as long as you're following social distance precautions, as long as attendance is not more than 10 people. And Castle, this pastor, is still furious about it. Because, again, they have to feel persecuted or they have no reason for doing anything. So he files this lawsuit. Like, no, churches should be able to do whatever they want. They say if Walmart can have more than 10 people inside, why not my church? Not realizing Walmart actually helps people and 
it has groceries and stuff you actually need. And you can live stream a church service. You can't live stream groceries. It's, it's not like anybody shut down churches and said you can't practice your religion. You just, nobody can be in groups of more than X or whatever we decided. Nobody can be within six feet of each other. That's everybody. That's just not you, friend. But the judge in this case. Oh, no. Uh, no, it's wonderful. The okay. judge in this case just shut down all those arguments this week. And it doesn't mean that this is over yet, but I want to read part of what he wrote. So he says, this is Judge John Z. Lee. He writes, the purpose of shopping is not to gather with others or engage them in conversation and fellowship, but to purchase necessary items and then leave as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes on like religious services involve sustained interactions between many people. Given that religious gatherings seek to promote conversation and fellowship, they endanger the government's interest in fighting COVID-19 to a greater degree than the secular businesses. So that's one thing. But then, and he also says, like, looking at the order issued by the governor, it doesn't single out religious people or communities yeah. of faith. No shit. So that's another thing. But then my favorite, he basically, I'm going to paraphrase first, he says, you don't need to meet in your building to have a service. And you know who says that? The Bible. Here's, <laughs> here's what the judge writes. Plaintiffs, as Christians, can take comfort in the promise of Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Saying like, look, if two of you gather, you got a church. That's what Jesus said. It doesn't That's matter where you so are. Oh, good. <laughs> Usually I, I'd be like, I don't like judges citing the Bible in a ruling, but that but is a... I'm okay with that one. I thought it was going to be something about how, like, the Sermon on the Mount took took place outside, so you can have church outside or something like that. That's, ooh, that's very good. Yeah, I liked that response. That was a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go to another story about uh, people just saying stupid things in the <laughs> Okay. This is from transition. <laughs> I think we talked about this last week. I can't remember, but uh, Ohio state rep Nino Vitale. He was the guy who said, I'm not going to wear a face mask because God created us in his image. Oh, I do not think we talked about this. But yeah. That's basically what he said. And I guess a mask would stop people from seeing God because is that why he doesn't wear clothes too. That's a good question. And like, you know that you could still see their eyes, right? Like yeah. it has nothing to do with anything. So, I mean, he, this guy got roundly criticized online and on late night TV, whatever, cause he's stupid. Yes. Um, but now uh, preacher Andrew Womack, who has his daily YouTube show called Truth and Liberty, because they love those words. Oh, love those words. Yeah. He said something along the same lines. He's like, I don't know that they have a constitutional right to require you to wear a face mask. You know, um, though he did say, like, I can see the practicality of it. But then he goes on to say this. You know, we're supposed to see ourselves in Christ. And I just can't even picture Jesus wearing a mask as he goes around and praying for people. It just doesn't compute for me. I can't picture Jesus wearing high heels, but like women still <laughs> wear them. Yeah, or glasses or skinny or glasses. jeans or sneakers. Like, And churches are full of pastors that wear all of those things. And yet, you know, I didn't, Jesus didn't wear a face mask. Therefore, why should we? That's too fadoofa. That's a lot for me to deal with right now, haven't? 
yeah. Which virus is more harmful, the COVID-19 or religious <laughs> people who have no critical thinking abilities? That's the thing. I, I'm seeing a lot of people being like, the government can't tell you you have to wear a mask. And like, yeah, that's absolutely true. But like, Walmart can. You don't have a constitutional <laughs> right to be in a Walmart. And so. pretty much all the laws say in the name of public safety, the government can tell you to do certain things or not do certain things in the name of that, as long as they're not singling out anybody. And they're not. That's the point. Like Christians, the conservative Christians like pretending we're singling them out for any of this. And it's right. not. You could read the orders. Right. Uh, I'm going to get to a silly story before I get to the more serious one. Uh, Ark Encounter is struggling because they have no money. Sort of and God, Hemet, we're going to talk no, about Ark Encounter. No attendance. I don't care. I'm leaving. Don't care. Uh, Ken Ham just said they're bringing back their lifetime passes for Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. It's a like it's anywhere from a. a how, we've talked about this. How much does it cost to bring your family? Let's say two adults, two children, like who are teenage, mm -hmm. uh, how much would it take to take your family of four to Ark Encounter for one day? For one day? Um, one day. Let's say 40 per adult, 20 per kid. So 120 bucks all day? 160. Okay, listen. That was a pretty good guess. Not a bad guess. That's a lot of money for yes. that. But okay, he's now selling lifetime passes mm -hmm. to both Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. Um, and how much is he... He did this when he was trying to fundraise for the Ark itself, and he hasn't done it since. Now he's bringing it back. <clears throat> the lifetime passes include passes to both those buildings, Ark Encounter mm -hmm. and the Creation Museum, mm -hmm. free parking, which... Oh. A handful of guest passes. I'm sorry, if is you parking wanna... a huge problem in the middle of Nowheresville, Kentucky? Is that something we need to be concerned about? If you went to Ark Encounter, you would have to pay an additional 10 bucks for parking. Brother. Yes. So you get free parking. You get a few guest passes that don't include parking. <laughs> you also get a year subscription to Creationist Netflix and a few other things. And And honestly, this is the only part I'm like, you could have just said this. He says by purchasing a lifetime pass, you'll be helping to sustain the ministry during this time. Our attractions are closed. If you just said, look, we're, we're hurting right now. We need cash. Mm -hmm. I would have understood that he didn't. He's like, I'm giving you this bargain. Yeah. So how much does it cost for our family of four to go for this lifetime pass? So is a lifetime pass per individual? Um, total for your family. Total fam for a family, family of four? Pass. Yes. I'm going to guess for a family of four, it's a grand. A grand, because if you go like four or five times, now you have recouped your costs. Right. Right. No. 3,000. Fuck me. Seriously? Yeah. And if it's just you, because you have a weird arc fetish and you alone just want to go, that's 2,000. What? You would have to go, if you're the family of four, you would have to go like 18 times roughly to make it worthwhile. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. You yeah. really skipped over an individual pass is two grand and a yes. family of four pass is three grand? To be fair, the family pass would also include the Duggars. Like, you bring your family of 18 kids, you're oh, still sure. under the 3,000. Yeah. Like, that's 
3000 dollars That's a lot. That's so much money. And nobody has money right now, Ken Ham. Ken Ham, <laughs> Creation science is bad. Creation math, holy crap, it's even worse. Shit. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to a very serious uh, story. Cardinal George Pell, he's the guy from the Catholic Church, highest-ranking Catholic in the hierarchy mm-hmm. to have been sentenced to prison for child rape, for child sexual abuse. Right. And remember when he was, yes. And when he was going through the trial, his lawyer basically said, come on, he didn't molest a kid or anything. It was just, and I'm quoting, and I have to say that I'm quoting, it was just plain vanilla sexual penetration case where the child is not actively participating that's his lawyer. He was found guilty. These monsters. Yeah. He was found guilty and he was sentenced to jail for not nearly enough time, but he was sentenced to jail. And then we talked about this last, uh, was it last month or a couple months ago? The Australian High Court basically overturned that ruling. So he was set free. That was a that was a problem. We've discussed that. He is now on the loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's an interesting thing. A few years ago, the Australia there was a Australian Royal Commission set up to basically this was the government's way of saying here's a third party commission. They have the legal authority to issue subpoenas and whatnot. Get to the bottom of sex abuse in our country when it comes to the church. Find out who knew what, find out how many victims there are, who's involved. Basically what some attorneys general in the U S have been doing um, when it comes to the Catholic church, like in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. And they issued this report in 2017. That was damning like crazy. And it also had a lot of suggestions for how the church could move forward from there. Big news at the time, big deal. But in that report, there were about a hundred pages concerning George Pell that they said, we are not allowed to release this really? because he's under trial. Like, oh. the trial's happening right now. We cannot, I guess, taint the trial or something. Sure. So they couldn't release it. Well, guess what? Now his conviction's been overturned. He's out of jail. The trial's over. Oh. And so now they released those hundred pages. And we get to find out what the Royal Commission knew about George Pell. And what did we learn from that? Here's what we learned. George Pell was aware of other children, of children being sexually abused within an archdiocese by a notoriously pedophile priest named Gerald Ridsdale. And they said it was, quote, implausible that other senior church figures did not tell Pell that abuse was happening. Basically saying there was abuse happening in his circles. Mm -hmm. There's no way he did not know about it and he didn't do anything about it. So essentially, in addition to he himself being guilty of child molestation and rape. Which he's now off the hook for. Which is cool and definitely how the law should work for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, He was not only doing it himself, but he was aware of other parties doing it and did nothing to protect those children. So what we're saying is the entire Catholic Church is a fucking racket and a shelter for pedophiles. Is that that a fair assessment of the Catholic Church right now? You're being too kind. The report actually went on to say, we do not accept that Bishop Pell was deceived intentionally or otherwise. Like, there's no way he didn't know this was happening. 
Um, and I kind of bring that all up to say the church has no credibility on moral mm-hmm. issues. Don't take them seriously when it comes to moral issues. That um, sucks. That's so that, sad. Those poor children. Yeah, it was disturbing. Um, I had one <laughs> last story that I want to talk about because it is a little happier, but it's an interesting thing. So one of the things that happens anytime there is a poll taken of about religion by mm-hmm. any of the major groups Atheists, you might have noticed, there's never like an atheist category. Like, how do atheists think about this? We're always lumped in with the unaffiliated, the non-religious, the Mm -hmm. nuns, because at least the demographers are like, well, people who have no organized religion may feel the same way about certain issues. And by and large, that's true. But we also know that the nuns are mostly full of people who do believe in some higher power, just maybe not a traditional faith. And maybe don't necessarily go to any kind of religious service, things like that. Right. Right. So we never... They're spiritual. They're spiritual. They are the people who make everyone else roll their eyes. (laughs) Um, So now, this is the question, like, well, what is it that atheists believe? Or the non-religious who are not spiritual? What is it that they believe? And we don't really have any polling, at least big-time polling, that offers our perspectives on stuff, mostly because it takes a lot of money to do a survey like that where you would have to randomly call people or randomly find people and weed out the people who you don't want in the study and get enough data for it to be meaningful. So, Um, Last year, American atheists set out to actually do that. And the way they did it is they had, uh, I believe, secularsurvey.org or something. The U.S. Secular Survey was online, but they basically asked anyone they could to spread word about it. And so it did ask some basic biographical questions like gender, age, race, all that stuff. And, you know, what label do you use Uh, They also asked, uh, I don't know, it was a variety of questions, but they asked everyone who's willing to take it. And they weeded out the the ones who are clearly not taking it for the right reasons or anything. Um, But basically, it was a way to say, look, this is a way we can try to gather data on atheists. Is is it scientific? No, because not everyone's online who might have found this thing. But it's probably the... Yeah, but it is the closest we'll get to a picture or a snapshot of what atheists in America think like, look, uh, seem like, all that stuff. So you can read their full report. I'll put the link in the show notes. But they found a few different things. One is, what label do non-religious people like the most? And it turns out, like, pretty much non-religious is the label that is most popular among everybody. Non-religious, not atheist, which had actually, uh, I think atheists had a higher percentage overall. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like, do you identify with this label? Not the non-religious is the one that people said very much. Yes, I identify with non-religious. But if you include the somewhat, I identify with it. Atheist is a little higher. But those two are right at the top of the list. We're talking about 80% of the people who answered the survey said, I'm very much fine with Mm non-religious at the bottom of the list with only 35.1% support, uh, 35% support agnostic. No one calls themselves agnostic relative. Really? Yeah. Very unpopular, at least among the participants. Interesting. Uh, Here's one that surprised me. Who do you hide your non-religiosity from? 
And they basically mm-hmm. said, in these situations, do you never hide your non-religiosity? Do you always hide it? Mm-hmm. Who do you think they most, who do you think they said, yep, I always hide my non-religious identity from these people? I would say employers or in-laws. <laughs> so people at work was in third place with 20% saying okay. I always hide it from them. Uh-huh. Uh, extended family for uh-huh. in-laws was fourth place with 19.3%. Ooh. Okay. So I didn't even get the top two. Nope. Okay. So presumably what close family? Uh, family of origin was in fifth place. 10.7. Okay. Um, um, neighbors. Um, not on the list. I would say. Okay. Friends, so I'll take that back. Friends and acquaintances was sixth place. 3.9%. What other Fam- people are there? I um, know you're family feuding. You're losing. I really am. Um, okay. Um, number two is not fair. Number one, you might be able to figure out. Okay. Number one. Is, is it like, um, like I'm trying to think of the word that would be like your kids, friends parents or something like that like, i would say that's under friends and acquaintances oh fuck um so maybe okay number two i'll give you because i don't think i would have gotten this either okay. strangers you just don't tell people you don't really know you're not going to tell them you're an atheist that was a 24 uh, have they met white guys on the internet they will tell anybody <laughs> they're an atheist no um okay i hope it's not like you not spouse tell? uh not spouse spouse you would probably Children? tell i People at school. Okay, I was I, in the neighborhood with... I was thinking more of like an adult with kids as opposed to somebody who is personally at school. Okay. Yeah. I was actually surprised by that. I would have thought uh, work is the place you definitely don't share it, which is the first thing you said too. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that like your school, like even in college, you're not telling your... That's wild. That's when I told you know everybody that I was in <laughs> Yeah, right? And um, I was 21 and just like, people <laughs> need to know my opinion on things. <laughs> Which, thankfully, the internet is now here. Um, <laughs> also interesting is among the people on who took the survey, most of us grew up in religious households. Like, more than 50% grew up in Protestant Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, only 14% grew up in non-religious families. Meaning, of the atheists who took the survey, most of them are coming from a Protestant background. Converters. Interesting. Converters. Uh, Catholicism was number two with 30% raised what was in the a first Catholic one family. A Protestant Christianity. Oh, yeah, that tracks. So we're all leaving Christianity. Um, that yeah. was interesting. That's very so interesting. Where do you, where do you, ex- have you ever experienced a negative thing? Have you ever had a negative experience or discrimination because you're an atheist? And they said, like, have you experienced something negative in this area? So, for example, uh, education, 30% of responders, 29% of responders said, yeah, I've experienced something bad with my atheism um, in school. Uh 22% said I've experienced something negative with my employment. Mm-hmm. Number one, where's the number one place people have had a negative experience because they were out as an atheist or Probably whatever. Immediate or extended family? Extended Family's family. number two. 55% of people said I've had a negative experience with my family. Number one is 58% with... Oh, God. Uh, I don't know that I would have gotten this. I don't think I would have. of atheists have had a negative experience with 
there with just strangers? Is it strangers of just it like is not strange? Eh, maybe. Um, people close. who you talk to at the dog park who reveal themselves to be weird conservatives after you've known them for a year and you have to sort of you know grapple with that. Is that number one? No, it is not a survey oh, of just you. Personal. Yes. Oh, okay. This is weird. Uh, I, don't, I don't like this survey. Then <laughs> number one, social media. Which seems oh, obvious in hindsight sure. because it's the one place you might say you're an atheist. Yeah, um, so yeah, of course you're going to get backlash. I guess that is the one place I've gotten backlash for being an atheist. Because I was like, I've never like my mom, went, my parents weren't thrilled, but they're fine. I haven't gotten any like negative, like anything that anybody would traditionally call a negative experience with somebody. Like I didn't get fired or lectured or whatever. Right. But and I yeah, think I if guess. I think about it, that's probably true for me too, because I'm about as out an atheist as you can be. And I don't get a lot of crap, mostly because I'm not part of anything. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? I'm gonna lose my friends over this? Yeah. No. I probably get um, more shit for being a feminist than I do for being an atheist. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, my my immediate family knows and none, nobody cares. My parents know and we just avoid the subject. So I don't get a lot of and I don't I don't work at a school or anything, so it's fine. Um, so I guess social media is the one place I would get crap about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. This was, I think the last thing I, or two things that I wanted to highlight, uh, of the people who took the survey, what were the biggest issues, policy issues that they cared about? So they said like, do you very much care about this issue or like not at all care about this issue? Um, and here's the surprising part to me. The last thing on the list by a long shot, like the thing people did not say was a high priority, uh-huh. was opposing religious displays on public property. Oh, yeah. Nobody gives a fuck like, about that. Nobody. Ten commandment statues outside a courthouse. Among the atheists who took this survey, only half of them cared about it very well, much. And, and I would definitely argue that before I started doing this podcast with you, I would definitely count myself among them. And really, like, really... Like, I it's not a big deal. So I, don't I don't care. care if you have shit on your, on your thing. The problem comes then when that is used as precedent for something bigger. Yeah. So um, what was wait, the... Oh, please go on. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. Um, all right. So there's what, can you give me a number of things that people care about? There were a lot. Uh, okay. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, there's like 12 things on this list. Okay, I'm going to try from the, from the top down. So Just name anything you okay. think. Uh, I'm going to say order. LGBTQ rights. That was close to the bottom of the list. 82% said they care very much about LGBTQ equality. And I think just to be clear, I think they're saying should atheist groups like uh, go after this in court, you know, legal battles, which policy issues, not in general, they're not saying only 80% care about LGBTQ equality. But oh. what, do you want, what do you want groups to focus on when it comes to you know, those types of issues. Okay. So- Actually, no, I take this back. I t- I'm reading through this right now. Okay. In um, We asked survey participants how important a number of policy issues were to them personally. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, 81% said LGBTQ equality is okay. impor- very important to me personally. A okay. bunch more, like 12%, said it's somewhat important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was still lower than I would have hoped, but sure. Okay. Okay, uh, then probably reproductive rights. Reproductive rights. So access to abortion and contraception is number three on the list. Okay. Um, in terms of, I care about this, 86% said I very much care 
about those issues. Okay. Um, so- and along the same lines, I would add comprehensive and medically accurate sex education mm-hmm. is also at like 86%. Yeah. Um, it's another one uh, like child abuse within the church or something like that. Or is that not, or are we talking more general shit? I think more, no, uh, protecting youth from religion based harm was at 85%. So close. Yeah. Um, climate change, climate change is at 85% as well. Protecting the environment and addressing climate change. You have not gotten the top two, um, racial issues, racism, I do not see racism on the list. Maybe uh, it wasn't on this list because it's not necessarily atheist specific dealing with like, it's not religion that makes people racist necessarily. So it's not the opposition um, coming from there. Is it like access so it wasn't on to the list. general health care? That is number two, denial of health care based on religious beliefs. So Catholic hospitals saying we're not going to do abortions mm-hmm. um, or an employer saying, I guess, I'm not going to give you birth control access, things like that. Why did I never get the number one of anything? Um, I was surprised by number one. I don't think I would have okay. gotten it as the number one thing everyone seems to care about more than anything else. Um, By the way, denial of health care based on religious beliefs was at 88%. Said I very much care about this. Yeah. Um. I don't is it like something like animal abuse or something not on the list here probably Um, because again immigration issues nope same reason I would argue maybe a republican thing but it's not a religious thing Um, number one yeah maintaining secular public schools making sure religion doesn't infest public schools 92% said that is a very important concern to me yeah that tracks and that that tracks to me like if I saw that on a list I'd be like yes absolutely but I don't know if I would have just sort of generated that from my own brain obviously and i think part of the issue is again if you care about like what are atheist specific issues i would say 10 commandments outside a courthouse is like an atheist specific issue only atheists who are like gungo activists seem to care about that sort of thing even though i think it's important Mm -hmm. whereas keeping school secular is something that everyone can get on board with sure so, of course, you're going to get a lot of people saying, yeah, I take that very seriously. Right. So we shouldn't be surprised, I guess. Um, and the last thing is we've read the this is not part of the survey, but we've always seen these surveys about how we vote and like not religious people. The nuns were about 25 percent of the American population. But in 2016, we were about 15 percent of the voting population. Oh, OK. Um, like we don't vote our weight. You know what I mean? And that's bad. But when it comes to eighth, like nuns don't always vote, but atheists definitely vote. Mm -hmm. And here's what they got from the survey here. They said about 95% of the people who took their survey were registered to vote. Okay. 87% said I voted in 2016 and 87% said, I always or nearly always vote. So even if the nuns as a whole don't seem like they care, atheists or people who identify as explicitly non-theistic, mm-hmm. no, they definitely care more so than everybody else. Which is good. Like, when there's more of us, that'll be even better. Right. <laughs> but... That was the upside. The whole report is like 60 pages. There's a lot of information. That link will be available to anyone interested. And again, just to be clear, 
This survey was not about what any group, including American atheists, ought to be doing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of who do you represent? If you're an atheist group that cares about what a lot of people want, then fighting for secular schools would kind of be the thing you want to do because you'll get a lot of support there. Whereas the sort of things some group like Freedom From Religion Foundation fights may not be appealing to atheists as a whole, but it is definitely appealing to the sort of people who would be part of FFRF. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Interesting survey. So it's the largest one. I think they got 34,000 participants, which, again, it's not scientific, but it's the most information we've ever gotten Mm -hmm. about atheists in America, um, as far as I've seen. So very interesting survey. Very cool. And with that, that's all I got. Okay. I have a couple of announcements. Mm -hmm. So, um... First of all, we are very, very close to hitting our next uh, Patreon goal. So once we hit, let me find it. Once we, so we're about to watch a Kirk Cameron movie. Um, we are and record, and record that for the bonus feed, um, and we are about. 30, 30 or 40 donors away from also recording, um, watching a fictional movie about Jesus, either the Mel Gibson oh, one God. or Jesus Christ Superstar. Guess which one I want. <laughs> um, so oh my God, I forgot coming, about that. Yeah, that's coming up. And we're also really close to doing some kind of call-in show, which we need to figure out. That Legit. might have to be, yeah, that might have to be a post-COVID thing because we probably should yeah. be in the same room. But um, but unclear. Anyway, so that is all on its way. We're also close to um, watching We Believe in Dinosaurs and recording an episode for the main feed. We have um, almost 800 reviews. Once we get 1,000, we will, we will do that. So um, those reviews. Yeah, so you can log on to uh, iTunes, re- rate, review, subscribe, um, and then Patreon if you're interested. For three bucks, you get... I don't know how many bonus episodes do you there's think a lot of now? bonus episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my husband and I have been recording bonus episodes about movies where people are trapped places and then recording them for the but it's been genuinely so much fun. Um and it's one of the reasons we started the um the uh Twin Peaks Super, podcast because yeah. it's just been really, really fun to do. Um and oh, and also I'm going to read Oh, did you see that we had some sort of like weird anti-Jewish review? Yeah, that one was surprising to me. Yeah, you, mentioned, uh, you you showed me that uh, on Twitter or something. I had I had not seen that. That was interesting. That's a yeah, new one. that's new because neither of us is has Jewish ancestry or any. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, so I'm going to read a five star review instead of that one star review. Um, the title of this is cut off, and I'm on the edge of my seat. It's from Morse Morseus, M-O-R-C-I-U-S. Um, came for the recovery, stayed for ellipses. Don't know. We'll never know. The iTunes review and platform is flawed. Um, five stars, a refreshing take on the, sh- on the slow crumbling of society into ne- a neo-Christian theocracy by a couple of fellow millennials. Woo, millennials. Uh, it's good to know that I'm not the only one desperately holding on to the remnants of their sanity. Uh, it's always a good day when these two post. They need to have the, the need... The need to have this podcast. I'm confused. 
Oh, the amount of stars for various things. So the need for this podcast is one star. Hemant's watchdog recovery of Christian America is five stars. Jessica's ability to encapsulate my reaction by cursing is 10 stars. <laughs> so you're lucky. I'm I love it. Her for once. Usually the one, nice. star, one star reviews tend to be blamed on me. Um, so that's that awesome. really nice that I can impact the curve in a, uh, <laughs> in a, in a positive way. Very nice. Uh, Hemant, where can we find you? Uh, I am at, Hemant Meta, or you can go to FriendlyAtheist.com. I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter, FriendlyAtheist.com otherwise. You can always email us at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com if you have questions, concerns, thoughts, prayers. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Blueberry. That's B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast is where you can support what we're doing. Um, And yeah, that's it. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. See you, Hemant. Bye.